Welcome to Dice Therapy. The Light and Darkness Campaign. So imagine boots running through a forest, twigs snapping, dried leaves crunching and flying around from the speed that the bodies are moving through the lush landscape. The pace is frantic, but restrained as the figures use careful movements to seek the fastest path. Behind those running boots, bare feet with yellowed claws dig into the ground. Long, clawed hands rake the earth in an attempt to garner just a little more speed. Their pace is feral, powered by the primal instinct of the hunt. The boots come to a break in the trees and leap onto horses. Heels dig into the flanks as the horses begin to power through the forest, heavy hooves churning up earth. The clawed pursuers release growls and grunts, signaling more to aid in Long tongues hang from sharp-toothed mouths, salivating in anticipation of catching the prey, and large yellow eyes search forward, unblinking. The riders burst from the forest into a clearing of chopped trees. Stumps and torn earth grant an opening for the mounts to stretch their legs as the pace becomes a full gallop. In a wedge formation, the group races away from the primal hungers chasing after them, and from the shadows of the forest behind them, twisted creatures emerge. Four long arms, mouths full of needle-like teeth, each biting and clawing at the air as they race after the riders. The sound of hooves changes from the thud of earth to the clattering on smooth stones as they begin to cross a stone river set before an outpost. Lather shines in the late daylight as the strong muscles pound a growing reflection of tall wooden palisades can be seen in the horse's wide eyes. Unfaltering, the pursuers claw their way onto the bridge, sharp nails clicking on the stones, and rekindle the growls and grunts of the feral pack. A cry goes up from the wall. Riders, incoming! Prepare a volley! Aim! Fire! Cries of pain erupt from behind the riders as splashes of heaviness fall into the river, and sick thuds all indicate the arrows found their target. Open the gate! Through the gate, the riders pull up heavy on the reins and stop the horses. Safe for the moment. We made it to the garrison. <laughs> yep. Yes. So you've reined in your horses, which are lathering a bit, each with a touch of foam around the bits, a wild look in their eyes. You take some deep breaths, try to catch yours, calming yourself in an attempt to, you know, calm your mount down. And looking around inside the outpost, you find yourself staring at a scene of hardship. Everywhere is wounded, exhausted, or scared people. Some tend to makeshift bandages, trying to cover still bleeding wounds. Others sit on bedrolls, trying to comfort young ones. A few are attempting to ready weapons and equipment for defense. Some at wagons are trading goods and services for those who are without. A dozen sentries are on the walls, but you see fatigue as their shoulders sag a little. Looking past the people, the outpost itself contains a stable with a makeshift smithy. There's a second story above it with some windows, possibly storage or more sleeping quarters. In the center of the outpost is a large wooden feasting hall. And judging by the color of the wood and stone, it's been cobbled together and enlarged several times. A massive building with slant roofs and currently shuttered windows. Beside it, several pens hold a variety of livestock, cattle, chickens, pigs. Opposite side of the feasting hall, there are several parked wagons. There's a loud thud and a metal clang behind you, and you turn to see a large piece of timber 
being placed over the gates, securing them closed. Above the gates is a banner, and it shows a curved scimitar. Standing on the sword with wings uh, outstretched is a bird of prey, perhaps a falcon. Studying the banner for that brief second, you see Oliver land on the edge of a palisade next to the banner, looks down at your group, preens a little bit, his head rotates around to look behind him, wings then stretch out, mimicking the banner. He looks back at Scarlet and his bink kicks up into the air into a proud pose before he goes back to ruffling his feathers again. Pretty boy. Entrez, entrez, bienvenue, mon humble large, says a large orange striped tabaxi wearing high boots, dark green cloak, wide leather belt, complete with a plumed fop hat, one corner folded up with a bejeweled pen. His eyes pass over each of you. Beaucoup débuté. Noble guests, I welcome each of you. I am Tassian, your humble host. Enchanted, mes amis. Who? Falchion takes off his hat, licks his palm, runs a paw over his head, which you know makes one of his ears flop down. It pops back up, dons his hat. He then winks at the group. You are safe here, ladies. Please let me offer each of you my personal protection. Are you hungry? We shall dine. Thirsty? We shall drink. I don't trust him. <laughs> Falchion's eyes meet with Yao. Except you. Have you fallen in the loo? Perhaps you will assist my men in seeing to these fine steeds in the stables. We shall bring you a bottle of spirits. In fact, Balshion claps to one of his servants next to him. Break it all out. There's too much dower here. We are alive, yes, no? Then we shall leave it up. Tonight, a grand feast. What's everybody want to do? Well, Kezi's taken a little aback. I don't know that she's ever met such a flamboyant tabaxi before. Love him. I think he's great. Imagine Tony the Tiger meets Puss in Boots. <laughs> That's exactly what I was imagining. <laughs> I think you sound like a Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. So I don't do French well, but I'm we're trying. lucky he didn't break out in song. I feel like we're unlucky. I would love for that to happen. Be Please no. Trust me. No. Guess. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kezi is kind of taken aback also about how he's treating Yao. So she's going to accompany Yao to the stables just to kind of get him settled a little bit. Kezi will meet up with everyone else later. I'm going to go with Yao. You will miss out on the tour. Are you sure you don't know what to come along? I'm sorry. Kezi cannot understand you. He looks a little dejected, but then turns back to the rest of the party. So sorry. Guests, as you can see, the lodging is a bit... Uh crowded, but I will offer up my personal chambers for your group. Oh my god. I'm, I'm gonna follow Kezi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that I think I'm probably gonna follow Kezi too. How, how, do, how would we rate your personal lodgings? You don't know us. They are the only ones yet available. Everything else is filled up. And then where would you sleep? In the tower. She's befuddled. She doesn't know what to do. Please, make yourselves at home. Ask me later, I can give you a tour. I will be in the Grand Hall. And he points towards the wagons. Let me just move everybody into the map. When Falchion walked away from you, dejected and rejected by all of you, you can see the doorway into the Great Hall. Hmm. So, stables, which direction are they? 
bottom of the outpost? I think so. <laughs> Come, friend Yao. Let's go take care of the horses. As you're moving your horses through the outpost towards the stables, you see these people that are trying to survive the best they can. They, they're an eclectic mix. Some appear to be merchant class. Some are farmers. Some are villagers. Just It's this mix of refugees. They're not all from one place. This used to be an open courtyard, and as these people and refugees have come in, they've made room for themselves, set up tents, temporary structures in order to spend the night. And in front of the forge, you see a guy that has laid out some weapons, you know, selecting through and sharpening and that kind of thing. Did you say there were kids here also? Some are running around playing tag. Others are being held close because they've obviously had some tragedies or seen some scenes and they're a little snifflier in tears. Kezi's now thinking that maybe Falcier should have given a tour because she's got questions. You mean Falcion? Like I said, she couldn't understand him. She's going to pronounce it wrong. Are there any other tabaxi or was it just the one? So far, that's the only one you've seen. Most of the refugees here are human. There are a few spatterings here and there of gnome or dwarf, but mostly human. I don't like gnomes. Uh, they blend in with the children quite well. <laughs> Good luck finding them. So now that you're in tight quarters with Yao, yeah, he does stink a little bit. I'm going to make my way over to Yao and I'm going to cast Prestidigitation on him to try and clean him up. Okay, so we have a cleaned Yao. The horses are stabled and put away. Fantastic. The sounds of the outposts in your ear as a the cacophony of people talking, whimpering, the wind rustling. It's later in the day. The sun is on its way down, but it's not all the way down yet. The storm clouds that you've seen to the west gathered around the blue spire. They were reduced as you started traveling this way, but you see them growing again. And Kezi maneuvers to the other side of the encampment because of that. Sorry, Yao. I'm not sorry. This area you're in now, where people are sleeping and camping, the horses are being cared of, and the cattle, where you came in on the opposite side of the outpost, had more wagons, and some of the wagons had stalls set up where they were vending goods and, and trading and wheeling and dealing and that sort of thing. Kezi goes to the Great Hall to maybe talk to people or just see what's there. Give Yao a little pat on the back and say, all right, have fun, make some friends. And I'll go follow Kezi, too. So you're ditching Yao? I mean, I really think he needs to uh, make some new friends. Do you want to get rid of Yao? Oh, no. He just needs to branch out a little bit. He thinks we're all mean to him. So maybe if other people are worse to him, he'll like us. He doesn't think Kezi is mean to him. Kezi isn't mean. thinks everybody's mean to him. <laughs> okay, maybe Kezi just a little less than everybody else. <laughs> As you're walking away, Yao's just staring at you wide-eyed. Lenny, in one hand, looks over his shoulder at the horses and then slowly starts walking over towards one of the tents where some people are talking. There he goes. Stands next to them, not saying anything. Just listening. Oh, he's so awkward. <laughs> Look, maybe he'll make some friends that'll be useful to us. I really believe in him. Uh, why don't you roll me a d20 for Yao? Okay. Nice. Very nice. We'll come back to that. Stepping into the Great Hall, 
you see a collection of people that are sitting around, some playing games, cards. A couple are reading books. There's some kids running around on the outside of the walls. Still an eye shot of mom or dad. Beyond that, you smell the smells of cooked meats and prepared things from the wafting from the kitchens. And there are two uh, servants here bringing things back and forth from the kitchens, frantically trying to take orders or help out or make people feel at home the best they can. They're handling themselves as if they're used to waiting on guests, but not this volume of guests, and they are exhausted. Looking up, you can see a balcony that runs around the top of the room. From that balcony area down the stairs, Falchion. Ah, mon ami, welcome back. Are you ready for the tour? I'd like a tour. I will go with you. I have many questions. I'll come along to chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> many questions? Like what? Who are all these people? Ah, refugees, a tragic story from the uh, countryside. They have been run out of their homes. By the nasty orcs. How did they find their way here? Well, I am renowned in the area for my hunting expertise. The nobles, they come here on getaway weekends and spend time when they want to rough it. I provide an excursion for them. So this is the grand hall, as you can <laughs> tell. It's quite grand, yes, no? No. No? I have some trophies from the area on the wall, the wild boar, the carrion crawler, uh, spines from a manticore. Truly, it is a majestic place. Because he's still just trying to wrap her brain around all of this stuff. So we have the pantry and through there the kitchen. The staff is able to try to make you whatever you might like. And shall we go upstairs? I will show you the rest. Lead the way. I don't know. I think he's interested in Kezi. <laughs> Kezi does not need that kind of entanglement right now. So moving up the stairs, you can see the grand balcony that overlooks the hall. And there are multiple trophies mounted on these. Shuttered windows that look out over the outpost. He takes you down a hallway to the first door on the right. It's currently open, and there is a smattering of people that are a little better dressed than the ones downstairs. This is the upper echelon of the refugees, if you will, those people that think they're more important than the rest. He's giving them some more comfortable quarters to stay at. At the end of the hallway, he opens the door into a large chamber, huge four-posted bed, fireplace in the corner. And some makeshift cots have been set up. And this is my personal quarters. Feel free to use it yourselves to spend the night here. That is truly most generous. Yeah, why is he being so nice to us? Yeah, that seems a little weird. Fals falsetto. Oh, this guy does not have a name, does he? It's just going to be whatever comes out of our mouths. <laughs> Fancy man. I have my manners, my bringing. I have to be nice, after all. Are you not uh, scouts from the capital? No? An elven delegation with... Uh... I see by your <laughs> shocked faces that you must not be delegates from the capital. I take it uh, no reinforcements are coming to the area? Oh, he's sadly mistaken. Not that we know of, no. We were travelers. We had three young people with us when we came in. We, we brought them here. Because we were being chased. Ah, uh, yes, the monstrosities that wander before us. Do you know what they are? <sighs> no, I have not seen them before. Two months passed. In fact, this little part of the world did not have orcs. 
except for two months past. At first, there were rumors, preying on outskirting farmers, popping up here and there, just a few war bands, and then more and more. And then they started burning farms and raising villages. As the people fled this way, heading deeper in for safety, we sent riders off to the capital, seeking reinforcement. I figured you were a scouting force, hence my niceties and pleasantries. I do not withdraw them. What happened two months ago that the creatures all started showing up? I do not know. The storm clouds began brewing around a blue spire, though. Dark magics might have moved in. Kezzy kind of looks at everyone in the party, kind of at the mention of Blue Spire, because she's trying to remember. Was that where they were going? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, we're on our way to the Lone Spire. Not the Blue Spire. Yeah, not the Blue Spire, the Lone Spire. I pulled out my map because I was like, that don't sound right. Well, that's why Kezzy was trying to work it out. She knew there was a spire somewhere they were going to. Yeah, there's a lot of spires, or at least a couple. And remembering that the Keeper used this map 20 years ago before he retired. Names may not be what they are today. True. So, how far away is the Blue Spire from where we're at? It is a few days ride from here. Though dangerous in the night. Most things are. Ah, mon ami. The orcs, they, they have claimed the countryside for themselves. I try to lead a resistance and fight little battles here and there, helping the people. But I can only do so much. I think in the morning I will take these refugees and escort them to Leech Gate. So please uh, refresh yourselves and uh, make it ready for tonight's meal. I will bid you adieu. One more thing before you go. Certainement. Are there any other tabaxi here? No, to be honest, you are the first one I've seen in years. She just kind of lets it go and if, as he walks out. He turns and leaves, and as he's closing the door, he stops, turns back, looks at you, makes this eye contact. And even though he has a smile and he's putting on this charm, there is this tinge of loneliness. You know, when I first came to this island, there was a rumor about an entire village of tabaxi living here. I did not find them. Adieu. And he closes the door and leaves. Oh, that's so sad. Because he's sad. Oh, no. They're getting ready for tonight's feast, and the sun is going down. The merriment begins by the people because he's breaking into his personal stores of alcohol. What would you guys like to do? Lyra would like <laughs> to join the party. <laughs> like, try to have them assemble a stage of some sort? That sounds good to me. So you start directing them in that. Chairs are trying to be brought in to maximize space, and they're still getting set up. I'm going to go check on Yao. Lorelai, as you move through the crowds, the merchant wagons first, as you step out of the Great Hall, you hear a shouting in regards to wanting to buy this or that, and prices being outrageous and that sort of thing from the different merchant stalls. There is a dwarf that you overhear in a gruff voice. What? He opened his stores? I can't sell any of mine now. You move through, back down towards the stables. You see a group of about six gathered around Yao, and he seems to be talking to them. You don't know about what, you can't quite make it out from this distance, but they all are smiling and nodding, interesting, some of them wide-eyed. Oh my god, I'm so proud of him. He made friends. Might <laughs> <I> cry. <laughs> He's a good boy. As you get closer. He's a great boy. He is retelling stories, basically spreading word of your accomplishments. The, the Anakeg fight. 
I'm going to stand back and I'm just going to listen and let him have his moment. The crowd seems unaware of your presence. The tales embellishing in a few spots. You know, the crowd is eating it up. Anybody else? I want to keep my eyes on the cat. So you follow him out of the room? Not close enough for him to notice, hopefully. Why don't you make me a stealth check? So, 16. You are like his shadow, and he doesn't hear you or see you. Perfect. As you are following him around and keeping an eye on his activities, it appears that he is doing his hostly duties, barking orders from the balcony occasionally towards some of the servants, heads downstairs, and is directing how to set up some of the chairs or tables, that sort of thing. Once direction is there, he moves into the kitchen area, starts going over the menu and how to maximize some of the meals that are being cooked before walking out a door from the kitchen into the crowds and just looking around at everybody. He does talk to some of the sentries on watch, and you overhear by the front gates that you came in. Uh, Falchion, they're just, they're just standing out there. They're not crossing the bridge. Well, keep an eye on them. If they try to cross, shoot them. How many do you see? Uh, at least a dozen. They're just moving around in the trees out there, but... With the sun going down, we're not going to be able to keep an eye on them long. Mm. Light the lanterns, hang them from the outpost. At least we can see the bridge. And then he moves about on his rounds down past the stable to the pens. As he gets down to the stables and the pens area, he pulls out a handkerchief and puts over his nose as he's walking from the aroma. And then he goes back in into the great hall to see how preparations is going. So that's Dad and Lyra and Lorelai. Kezi's going to get the road dust off of her before she goes down to potentially help out. because She's always the one. She's got to be doing something. So you are pouring yourself some water and looking around for a towel, opening some of the wardrobes that are up there. The first you open, full of men's fancy clothes, a couple of rough leathers for going out in the countryside or work clothes, if you will. The second wardrobe is full of women's attire, fancy ball gown dresses, shoes, and you see in the shelf section next to it, there are some towels. Try not to think too hard about why there are women's clothing in a men's bedroom. He entertains nobility. Having cleaned up, go down to the Great Hall. Scarlet? I think I want to walk through the marketplace and just kind of look around at everybody's wares. Since you're taking time walking through and studying everything, why don't you make me an investigation check? Hopefully I do this roll right. So with that 17... Plus 8 in investigation. You see quite a bit. Uh, One merchant that's selling some common wares, ropes, tarps, bedrolls, that sort of thing. It's kind of thrown in the back of the wagon in such a manner that it was packed in a rush. A dwarf who's a little sour... People have stopped buying ale from the mini kegs that he has loaded in the back of his wagon. There's a sign that says Stone Barn Tavern on it. Obviously been pulled off the front of a tavern, jammed into the wagon. And cleaning glasses inside the wagon, washing them up and putting them out on a rail for him to grab when a customer comes up. A small tiefling child. (gasps) There is an older gentleman that has a wagon full of wooden carved masks and musical instruments. He is just whittling away on a piece of wood. There are also a couple of merchants set up. It was their life. They threw it in a wagon, and now they're trying to get a little coin for the roll by selling whatever they can. So in the junk shop, do I see anything that looks, I don't know, shiny? See a pine cone, let me know. 
Will do. One thing that is shiny that catches your eye, fishing rod. And it's got a big brass reel on the back of it that's fairly shiny. Um, the rod itself looks worn, but, you know, with a little care, it could have a few catches left in it. I think I'll keep on walking. As you're walking away, you do hear a guy over your shoulder that you hadn't noticed right away because his cart was so small. Cabbages! Get your cabbages! <laughs> I jump a little because I'm startled. The cabbage guy. <laughs> um, make me a perception check. Oh, this is going to be bad. Lorelai, why don't you make me a perception check as well since you're outside? Yeah, that's a straight 13 for me. Um, let me look. 10. Okay. The storm clouds seem to be brewing a little faster than what might be normal above you, and there are a few flashes of lightning here and there. I think I'm going to head back inside. So it looks like there might be a storm. Who are you talking to? Everybody next to me. I wonder if we should go take a look at the bridge. Wouldn't be a bad idea. I just think we should go look at the bridge. Okay, let's... Do we need our weapons? I always have my weapons. Same. Fine, let's go look at the bridge. As you approach the gatehouse, one of the archers that's manning the walls, can I can I help you? What do you see out there? Those things that were chasing you across the bridge. They're on the other side of the river, just pacing. Mind if we go up and take a look? Yeah, the step inside, there's a ladder up. Kezzy goes up the ladder. And as you step inside towards the ladder, you can see the front gate has a big bar across it and some chains holding it in place. And moving up to the top of the gatehouse, everyone make me a perception check. Seven. Dirty 20. Six. We're tired. You are tired. Yeah, no kidding. And the light is fading, which is messing a little bit with your dark vision because things are shifting between black and white and color based on the distance they are out there. All of you can see the, the shadows, the figures milling about on the other side of the river. That dirty 20, you easily see at least a dozen all up and down the bank, almost as if they will attack anything that crosses the river. Do these creatures show up every night? No. This is the first night we've seen them. We encounter them in the woods, but we haven't seen them congregate like this. I do hope we didn't bring them with us. The the chains on the door, they're strong, right? Yes, no, no, nothing to worry about. Nothing's gotten in here. Just thinking of all the people here. Fish and barrel comes to mind. At least these fish, and he holds up his longbow, shoot back. Kezzy smiles and nods her head at him. They've got a lot of arms. It seems like they might be good at climbing. The question becomes, can they climb the gatehouse before we put an arrow through their eye? Are you the only ones that are posted here? Are there other areas on the garrison wall? There's almost a dozen of us scattered about, keeping an eye. Make your number 13. I will stand with you. If you don't have a bow. I have other means. Ah. That reminds me, Kezzy. Can you fix my umbrella? I'm going to need it if it's going to rain. Yes, friend Lyra, I will take care of that for you tonight. Thanks so much. May I have the pieces of your old one? Kezzy and Lyra head off to the forge to work on repairing an umbrella. So any conversation happening between Lyra and Kezzy while they're working in the forge? Kezzy kind of becomes 
absent-minded though when she works she's not a great conversationalist but you can try Lyra kind of realizes that you're not really paying attention to her so she starts humming a little working tune okay Kezi go ahead and roll me percentile dice while you're building this umbrella hopefully that's a good five her rhythms and stuff kind of fall in line though with the song that Lyra's am I saying your name right I go with Lyra Lyra, okay. With the tune that you're whistling or humming, mannerisms fall into the beat and rhythm of the tune that you're humming, creating mystery item number five. So after that, you have an umbrella crafted. If you want to put an asterisk by that on your character sheet, it's got a little bit of a wild spark to it. And everybody make me another perception check as you're all kind of on alert now. 12. 16. Scarlet and Lorelei having spent some time milling about and listening. Off in the distance, from outside the outpost, you hear a sound that can't quite place, that just sort of comes through every once in a while. At first, you think it might be thunder. As you start listening for it, selectively trying to filter out everything around you, you think perhaps it might be drums, not the side that the creatures are gathering on, but from behind the outpost. Are we able to see on the other side of the outpost if we walk to the other side? You would have to get up on the palisade where the archers are posted, but then you can see over the wall. There is also the large stone tower attached to the feasting hall. I think I'd like to try and go up into the tower if I can see out from there. It's going to say the same thing. Hey, Dad, would you like to come with me? I'm going to go up into the tower. I think I hear something... On the other side of the outpost, and I want to get a good look. I'd love to. I'm going to start heading in that direction. You head upstairs from the feasting hall to the second floor, through the doorway into the tower, up another set of stairs. And as you come out on the top of the tower, dark storm clouds brooding overhead with flashes of an electrical storm. The spire off in the distance it is illuminated by lightning strikes hitting its surface and crackling up before going dark again. The sun is just starting to set and casting everything in that orange glow. And as you stare off over this empty field of cut trees that were no doubt fell to make the palisade walls, make me another perception check in advantage. 23. Easily identifiable away from the sounds of the outpost, the the crowds and the murmurs, you can distinctly hear on the wind coming your direction, the sounding of drums. Boom, 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 boom. A march driving some sort of force, undoubtedly, this direction. Well, that's not good. Nope. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, leave us a tip, or give us a comment. We would love to hear from you. DiceTherapyAP.Pinecast.co